so what are we drinking here? This is out of Page Spring Cellars down in Arizona when I was down there. Like they, they took me in like family that kind of few days I was down there. And this is the, uh, what is it, the Le Feel blend or something? And it's basically made by all the women winemakers down there. In so, Arizona? Yeah, Page Spring Cellar is right outside of uh, Cottonwood. The Verde Valley. Mm-hmm. So they truly make wine in every state now. I would say so. I think if Arizona's like the driest state ever. Is that the driest state in the U.S.? I think so, but they actually do a really good job down there. You know Maynard's down there from Tool. That's right. You were telling me about this. Yeah. So he started a winery? He has wineries down there. Yeah. I mean, he has one in Cottonwood. He has one in Jerome. I think he has one in Scottsdale. So he has like the whole Caduceus Cellars and stuff like that. And he's the lead singer of Tool? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, cheers, man. Good to see you. Thank you for being the first repeat guest on the podcast. Oh, what an honor. I wish it was under better circumstances that we meet. (laughs) Because you're going away, man. You're leaving us. I'll be back. Will you be back? Who knows? You go you go away for long enough and forget about us. Well, the plan is to come back because we're planting that three acres. We were gifted, basically. The Hold on one second. When you say we, let's go back to the beginning. So you are going away for a year and a half. Going right? away for a year and a half. Yeah. And this would be a monumental thing in anybody's life just to go away for two weeks, let alone a year and a half. You're very calm about it. You seem like (laughs) it's no big deal. Like, I'll be back. I'm leaving. But 18 months. How did this come about? We're sitting in your house right now. There's boxes everywhere. Things are off the wall. Yeah. You've sold the house. You're moving. I'm gone. Well, you're not moving. You're just leaving. So how how did all this come about? Catch us up to what happened. Last time you were on the pod, you had just gotten the job at Carboy. Yep. And you were making sparkling wine there. Yep. You had started Periphery. Yep. Which you were just telling me off air has done really well in its first year. Yeah. Greatly received. I've told you a million times to build your ego, how great it is. Yeah. (laughs) And now it really is good wine. So what's up? Why the trip now? Well, the trip's always been one of these things I've always wanted to do. I mean, since I was a kid, I always thought about just traveling. And I think we even touched on it, you know, the first podcast that when I boarded that plane the first time to go to boot camp, I knew that there was like this fire lit inside of me. Fast forward, the carboy thing worked out for a bit. And then we kind of decided to kind of part ways with each other. You know, great guys, great company. It's just, I really can now focus more on periphery. I think I was just kind of taunting the universe for quite some time because I was always like, well, if this doesn't work out with Carboy, I'll just sell everything off and I'll go travel. And, you know, and right around that time also is when I had to put Miles down, my last dog. So I was kind of sitting here with like really no sort of like obligation to anyone or anything. And I was like, you know what? This whole thing kind of fell apart and it just kind of lit the fire into my ass to like take off and go get inspired and see the world. You know, I've traveled pretty extensively, but now it all started with just, a, you know, an idea of going to France for about three weeks to kind of, you know, scoot around the vineyards and stuff like that. And then I was just like, why not just do it all? So Why not just travel for 18 months? That's <laughs> yeah. a big leap from three weeks to 18 months. That's how it starts sometimes, you know. It's like a little fire and then it goes into a, a raging inferno and now there's just like no looking back. I mean, I'm pretty much booked all the way through November of next year right now. Of 2025? Of 2024. Of 2024. Yeah. That's this year now. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Next year, duh. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this, this is the next year. Yeah. <laughs> so you're booked everything from – wait, when do you leave? In a week, you said? I leave on the 21st. 
of January. Next Sunday, yeah. Wow. And then you, you have everything planned that you're going to do up through November. Well, you know, I have accommodations and I have routes. Okay. I have yeah. flights and stuff like that. So it leaves room for, you know, kind of some spontaneity and just like some things to pop up. But me personally, I was trying to kind of stay on direction and trying to hit certain parts of the world at certain times of the year. So like getting into India, I wanted to wait until at least October so the monsoons were gone because traveling through India during monsoons is almost impossible. You know, I decided to start in Europe because going in the winter, there's no tourists and it's easy to move about. Because, you know, personally, when I travel, I don't want to see a bunch of other Americans. Europe in the summer is brutal. Yeah, exactly. Brutal. So why even do it? Well. If you've never been, you know, that's your chance to go because you have summers off. I say, yeah, but if you can avoid it, then definitely that makes good sense. And it's more local. You get a more feel of how to live there rather than just going with the herd to see everything. And then, you know, trying to travel with things booked out, you also have so much time, you know, a limit of time in certain areas. So the Schengen area, you only have 90 days. So, you know, landing in January, I have basically until mid-April to get my ass out of there. Because of visa. Yeah, hmm. the 90-day Schengen thing. So in a 180-day period of time, you're allowed to spend a total of 90 days. And then you have to get out for at least three months before you can step foot back in. Oh, interesting. Which will work perfectly because basically I'll work from France to Switzerland, all through northern Italy, Slovenia, Munich, into Krakow, Copenhagen, Lisbon, Sevilla, like Cordoba, Jerez, all those areas. Then out of Madrid into Tunisia, Morocco, Senegal for like a month, Cape Town for like three weeks, touring around the Winelands. Then the 49-day journey from Cape Town to Nairobi. Okay, wait, slow down. We're going to get way lost. (laughs) We'll take it one thing at a time. Europe, I did. I forgot about that. You can't do a visa run like you can in Asia, where you can leave mm-hmm. the country for one day and just yeah. come right back in. So it's ninety days and one hundred and eighty days. Yeah, and you're going to use all those right up front. Yeah. Okay. Because we're coming back after Africa, we're going to basically go back into Turkey for about a month and kind of hang out in Istanbul for like twelve days, Cappadocia for six, and then we'll go down to Bodrum for like twenty days. And we'll take some day trips or we'll take, we're actually taking a week long trip into coasts like the Greece, that big Island down there. I've been to coast. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's super cool. It's uh, one of the birthplaces of modern medicine. The guy that came up with the Hippocratic oath. Yeah. Hippocrates or I don't know. Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He had an outpost there and you can go and visit it. And it's really interesting because one of his strongest beliefs was how morale affected medicine. Yeah which makes total sense. So he built this little hospital up on the top of the hill with a huge view of the ocean and everything. Oh my gosh. When you're there, you learn a lot about him and you just think, man, I kind of want to get sick and come here. This looks amazing. And then compare that to how modern medicine works, where a lot of times hospitals are super depressing. Yep. Obviously our caliber of medicine is way higher, but yeah. it's a really interesting. Yeah. Coast is cool. You rent like a little scooter, just cruise around, you know, and then doing further investigation, like on all these places when you go there, like, okay, well I have booking done. I have, you know, the, the transport to and from done. And then it's like, what's around there. And then like you find all of like these kind of tourism things. And I didn't realize there's such a big wine culture on that Island. In coast, in coast, oh, there's like vineyards and there's wineries and there's tastings, and I was like, well, there we go again. So the main focus of the trip is it wine? 
Is that what you're basing it's, your platform around? It started or? that way, and it's kind of leaning that way. But also, it's to kind of go out and kind of get ideas and inspiration as far as food and design for the project that we'll be launching when we come back in 25. And when you say we, you and your lady? So, yep, that's Sloan Stevens. Okay. So. And you guys, tell us about your project. What's, what's happening? We were fortunate enough to be gifted, um, you know, three acres of really nice fertile land here in Palisade, basically butting up... Um, against Mount Garfield, pretty much. And we're planting three acres of grapes, 100% cold-hardy cultivars, so 40 rows, 2,500 vines. And then on that land, we're also going to kind of build like a small, uh, you know, kind of restaurant and tasting room. But once again, it's not going to be like a walk-up tasting room because I still feel very strongly about that. It's going to be more of an experience. You still feel strongly anti-tasting room. Yeah, you know, I just don't want <laughs> open doors all day long for people to kind of stumble in and out of. We want to be more kind of, you know, well curated and thought about that coming here is kind of like an event and an experience. And it's not just something that you kind of stumble into. So by appointment only? By, well, generally. or not res- like yeah. the third winery you've been to that day. Right. Just come in and, yeah. Yeah, because we really want to kind of limit it once again to just what we're able to offer and how we offer it. You know, we don't want to just throw things against the wall and see what sticks. Like we want to be very well thought out and we want to have just tons of inspiration from this journey. Hmm. Will it be periphery? Is that going to be the, is that the project? So it'll still be periphery, like periphery wines, but you know, I'm also launching kind of like a sub brand under periphery, uh, Roger Lautrec. And that's going to basically be a hundred percent vinifera focus. So fortunately this year I was able to kind of work with some of the people that, you know, um, the Githens, they bought the old Plum Creek house and in exchange of me making them some wine, they traded me, you know, close to two tons of grapes. So I was able to like really focus on Cab Franc this year. So what I did is I took two clones, clone 327 and clone 214, fermented them differently, um, oak aging them differently, but it's from the same vineyard. And so that way you can kind of do like a tasting of Cab Franc and two kind of iterations of itself. But all from the same fields. All from the same but fields. Just processed differently afterwards. Processed differently. And That's then, so cool. Yeah. What was the name of it you said? Roger Lautrec. What does that mean? So Roger or Rosier or whatever is basically a term in French for someone who like comes from a land where roses are grown, someone who grows roses, you know, and generally there's always kind of roses here in Palisade. It's a really big area for it. And then and a lot of vineyards have roses kind of put in them. And then Lautrec was basically, you know, Toulouse Lautrec, the guy who never really took himself too seriously. So I thought, what a good combination. Sounds very French, you know. <laughs> and I like, once again, I like kind of labels, names, terms that kind of get people like thinking of how to actually pronounce it the right way. So, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to, like, this place today. Well, how do you even pronounce that the right way? Yeah. Because it starts a conversation immediately. People ask what the name means, and exactly. then you get to educate them on everything. Yeah. And that will be, is the property going to be just a vineyard and production area, or is there going to be a accommodation? How, yeah. You? So, like, our goal is is to kind of, you know, something maybe even simple as kind of like um, – or the, the silos, like maybe we'll get some silos put out there. And what we want to do is we want to have a cob oven built. Mm. It's like a clay oven and kind of like that, let that be as long as well as like um, asado, like so open flame and everything out of an oven um, is how we basically want to kind of do all of our foods. Making pizza kind of vibe or? 
a little more elevated, you know, because she has an extensive culinary background as well as like baking. So she's really going to kind of focus more on that kind of aspect of it. Um, and I'll, you know, kind of step in a little bit to kind of give my culinary background as well. But that's going to be her kind of forte, you know, her baby. She's going to run the food program. I believe so. Well, we're going to run it both, you know, everything together. But I think I'll let her focus more on that because she's a bit more refined than I am when it comes to that. Is the length of your trip corresponding to how long it'll take the vines? Because you've already planted the vines, right? The vines go in April. Are oh, they going in April? Yeah. So we're kind of figuring, like, you know, I have all this wine in the barrel. I also got some Nebbiola and some Barbera. So I did a blend of that this year. You know, I started a new batch of Melanger. And so we're kind of figuring, let the grapes kind of gain their roots, come into, come back basically on second leaf. So maybe we'll have a bit of a kind of harvest that year. But the stuff that I have in barrel now will be kind of aged for 20, 24 months at that point. We can get that into bottle, start selling that, and then kind of work on getting everything set up for the new project. Because vines take two to three years? Two to three years to start producing anything. But, you know, these are cold hardies. Um, so these things will probably take off like weeds pretty quickly. And the land, it's so just fertile. It's, it was used by, you know, the Field of Fork guys back in the day when they first launched. It's been sitting fallow ever since. Uh, we have our own head gate, so water really isn't an issue. We just kind of go out there, open up the gate. We're going to do furrow irrig irrigation, and then, you know. That means you just flood the field? Just flood the field. Who's going to do that while you're gone? Her dad will. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so you got the support system. We got it all going. So you can check out for 18 months. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this earlier. It's kind of like if you were to get a new job before you lost your old one. You know how that feeling where it's like, I'm at my old job. And then I'm quitting that, and I already have a new job lined up, and then I just have this kind of gap month or gap right. couple weeks yeah. where it's, no worries, all good. Yeah. It's kind of how it is for you because you have periphery going on. Now you're going to leave, and knowing you have something really concrete to come back to, even if you get lost in Africa or Asia and end up in some <laughs> cult, you'll feel like, oh, yeah, we were going to do that project. Let's go home. Yeah, you know, initially <laughs> when I always thought about doing this, it was like just kind of sell everything off and go wander aimlessly and like the universe will kind of lead me to where I need to be. And that sounded fine and romantic, but then, you know, reality kicks in. And you're like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with myself when I get back? And it's like, well, I do have like this skill set and I do have this availability of like this land. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win. Like, why wouldn't we? And, you know, and I, I've heard it numerous times with you and other people. It's like, why don't you just go do your own thing? And, you know, and with, with my habit of not playing well with others, I think it's probably just the best thing for me to do is to create my own thing in my own space and do it the way I want to do it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how? so what year did you move into this house? I moved into this house in... Late 15, I, I think. 2015. Yeah. How has been packing up and everything going? You know, I thought I'd be a lot more upset with it and a lot more kind of, uh, you know, just nostalgic. Yeah. It's very nostalgic. But at the same time, as I was kind of telling you this before we started talking, that the house kind of, you know, took me in, put me in under her wing and kind of just coddled me and gave me warmth and comfort and security for this amount of time and now she's like okay little bird it's time to jump out of the nest and go fly and so the really cool thing is i sold it to a friend you know a very close personal friend that i've known for close to 30 years now so it's it's nice because it's still going to be in my life in some aspect where i can kind of pop in and see what they've done to it and 
so it's not going away completely. You're welcome to come back. Yeah. You don't have to be that creeper looking over the fence. Exactly. Like, what did you do with the house? <laughs> but speaking of looking over the fence, that's another reason why I really kind of want to get out of this house. As great as it is, a location, but it's a, it's a fishbowl. You know, I mean, I can't walk outside on a Sunday without having at least 10 conversations before I even finish my first cup of coffee. Mm, yeah. You know, just farmer's market and people looking at the chickens. and Having friends is tough, man. It it's is. not even friends. It's just people <laughs> that you've never met before, you know. They're over from Denver checking out the farm or the farmer's market and they want to like talk about the house and the landscaping and the color and all this stuff. And you're out there doing a cold plunge in your underwear. <laughs> exactly. and they're like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just got to the point over the past few years where I was just like, screw it. I don't care what's happening. I need to go outside and open up a chicken coop. So I just go outside in my underwear. And there was plenty of times I saw people like looking at me, like just wave at them. Hey, that's probably the Palisade charm people write about. <laughs> exactly. You know, I love seeing that. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you mean. High visibility house. I mean, mine's the same way in terms of people driving by all the time. Yeah. But I don't have the walking traffic that you do. Right. So I could see how that would be annoying. You got to make sure your curtains are drawn all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's the epicenter of Palisade. It really is. It's like the beating heart of Palisade right here. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows this house. Like, where do you live? Oh, the blue house on the corner of 4th and Kluge. You're like, oh, I know that house. Like, I'm sure you do. Everybody does. What are you going to do with your chickens? They're over at the farm now. Oh, so they've been rehomed. You know, it was funny because I was I was going down to Florida to see my family before I took off on this trip, and uh, you know, I was like, we need to get these chickens introduced sooner rather than later. And it took almost you know a week and a half to two weeks for them to finally get comfortable with each other. Oh, they don't they. They they try to establish pecking order pretty quickly. Oh, really? Like, you can't just put chickens into a cage with other chickens. Oh. And, then, and the cool thing is, like, they have unlimited acreage out there where they can just walk around and stuff. But, you know, Charlotte, the buff Orpington, she's got the biggest personality. And the first few days that I put her out there on the farm, I'd come back out and check on them every day and, like, coop them and stuff. And her face was just torn up, Ooh. bloody, because she had been fighting for the top notch. So did she win? I think she did. Very yeah. nice. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're all just great. Like, you know, you throw a scratch down or food for them and they're all pecking together and you can just kind of see them all traveling together as a flock. And you know, it's, it's harmony at its, the layout of it. Like this chair, that chair has been there the entire time. The same artwork has been in the same place the entire time. I've never like rearranged my furniture mm. and it's just, I wonder why everything just kind of feels like rinse and repeat around here, you know, just given the, I guess the, con the, the continuity of my house being the way it always is, as well as like the seasons and the events around the town. Like to me, it's just been rinse and repeat. And I think it's been driving me absolutely nuts for a few years now. So it's good to finally get out and go shake things up a bit. Yeah, some yeah. fresh air. Exactly. Yeah. You know, these two-week journeys over to Portugal, Portugal or whatever, like, it's good to get out, but then you come back and it's just like, well, I'm right back in the same place. Yeah. So, Do you expect to be a lot different when you come back? I expect to be changed immensely. Mm. I mean, how can you not grow and change from all the stuff we're going to see? You know, we're going to do like a, 22 day journey through northern India, you know, with stops in Varanasi. I mean, that's going to be pretty, I think. Tell me about Varanasi. So I think it's like one of the most holy places, like in India. You know, it's right there on the Ganges River. Um, and I guess they say, like, if you become, if, if you die and you get cremated in Varanasi, like, you basically go to Nirvana. There's no other steps. 
So, you know, that's the place where there's immense poverty. Um, you know, they're burning bodies. I was going to say, is that where people go to die? They go to die. They're going to die. They go there and then their bodies are burned and everything. Yep. Yep. Have you seen that before the burning of the bodies? I've not seen it personally. I've watched some videos on it getting ready for this and I'm like, okay, you know, that will be an experience. Yeah. And is that Hindu Buddhism? Hindu or yeah. Hindi. Yeah. Hindi. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to cross so many cultures. I know you're going to wake up and be like, where am I? Oh God. <laughs> well, before we talk about your trip, I'm, I'm curious, what, have you had a bucket list for Palisade before you leave? Have you been trying to, I mean, I know you're coming back, but is there things I want to do before I leave or that you have done, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, probably just going to Irish goodbye it when I leave. You are. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'll see you guys again. <laughs> oh, okay, so you're not going to stop by on your way out. Well, no, I'll do that. But you know, some people are like, <laughs> oh, are, so you, you are. are you okay, going to yeah. have like you know a get together or something? And I was like, probably not. Just really, I mean, this weekend is the final weekend when all this stuff's getting moved out. Then you know the deep cleaning has to happen. Next week is Vinco, and then are you going to Vinco? Oh yeah, I'm actually on the panel on Wednesday with Tom Plocker. What are you talking about? We're talking about cold hardy cultivars and. uh you know, because since he's a, a developer and a breeder, I, I bought like four or five of his varieties that I had to sign waivers for to say that I won't kind of like give the secrets away and take cuttings and share them. Really? Yeah. So um, we're going to be basically be talking about the wines. So I'll use the Leon Titus, the Petite Pearl Red Blend. You know, I know Ty Zock from Carboy will be talking about a Petite Pearl Merle from, uh, you know, formerly of Talbot's. Now of Restoration. Of Restoration, Yeah. Hopefully he's made that public. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Meryl. Congratulations. Yeah, but I think Lee Lanou from uh, Lanou Dubois will be out there. Uh, Patrick, obviously, from Sauvage will be part of it. And I think we each have like eight to ten minutes to kind of talk about their wines that we're pouring, why we are, what we did with them, blah, 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 blah. So that will be cool. I wasn't expecting even to go to Vinco this year uh, just because with everything that was happening. And then they invited me, and, of course, I accepted and uh that'll be kind of a send-off because all your yeah. friends and colleagues from the industry will be there exactly and then you know thursday friday kind of hang out here for the last couple nights get up on saturday move the bed and then you know it's nice you have a place to move everything to exactly. rather than a storage unit yeah so that does make it easy you know honestly it's like as soon as i kind of gave in to like what the universe was trying to like show me everything just fell into place it was seamless you know? Tell us more. What was it trying to show you? You know, I think it was just like, you can you can stay here, you can do this stuff, but I, I was constantly questioning, like, how long this is going to last or how happy I'll be doing this. Like I said, I think I was just taunting the universe for ages, and it was telling me, like, this is your your journey. Like, this is something you're meant to do. And if you trust me on this, I'm going to, like, make it as easy and as seamless as I can for you. Basically, once the carboy thing kind of came to an end, you know, that was really just another, you know, kind of notch on the belt of what a weird year 23 was for me. But I, it was easy once I kind of came to terms with it. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to give in. I'm going to try this and I'm going to see what the universe kind of gives back. So I was like, universe, I'm going to go travel the, the world. And everything was just like, there you go fell into place fell right into the place. road was easy the road you sold like, your house easy oh my god convince your lady to come with you yeah. have something to come back to yeah 
And even all the stuff is just like trying to book these tours. It's like, oh, you know, I wonder if this winemaker will be in town or this part of that country when I want to go there. And they're like, yeah, fortunately, I'll be there just that week. So what time do you want to come and like meet and hang out and drink? And I was like, no way. That's awesome. Like seriously? Yeah, you told me uh, for those like that haven't listened to episode two, Joe told me his secret of the traveling winemaker. Well, we don't have to reveal it again, but <laughs> the uh, traveling as a winemaker seems pretty good. So yeah. a lot of doors like to open. <laughs> yeah. So I think you have some VIP experiences. Yeah, I think it's going to be cool. It's just really exhilarating. And like I said, I thought I'd be a bit more upset. Right now, it's like I'm kind of sitting in that limbo stage because it's so close. And I'm doing everything in my power to not screw anything up. Like what? <laughs> like break up with your girlfriend? <laughs> well, no. Or, you know, like let's break your leg. Yeah, break my leg or... There's no, there's no trips to the livery because nothing ever good comes out of the livery. I've learned that numerous times now. You have. Yeah. Good. That's the (laughs) Palisade secret that everyone has to get in on. It takes a lot of loss, you know, and a lot of shitty, shitty mornings waking up feeling the way that you do. Mm. I mean, I love them. I want no ill will towards that place, but I think my time at the livery has come to an end. Yeah. I went there a couple of times with you, and it was great. We well, yeah. Time. yeah. But I'd never go late night. No, yeah. It's also because I'm a lightweight, and I it's, can't hang. It's the <laughs> witching hour. Like, if you go after, like, 10 or 11, it's just, yeah, those walls close in on you, and just things get dark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've lived in a small town for a long time. Yeah. So the ability to fly away will be pretty nice, I think. I agree with you on not doing a goodbye party because – I wouldn't want to be the center of attention like that first off. Yeah. And then every conversation you have at that party is like, oh, like melancholy, yeah. right? So the Irish goodbye is kind of the way to go. What? How did people react? When I'm sure it was either just complete shock or complete jealousy or complete. I think it's a mix of all. Yeah, people are like, really? You're going to go do that? And I'm like, yeah. And they seem like super doubtful. And they're like, man, I'm so envious. There's definitely an envy, <laughs> like a jealousy from everybody you've told. I mean, I'm jealous for sure. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. And I, I, I always question myself. So when the journey is done, will I be satisfied? Will I be satiated with, you know, getting out and seeing things? And it's funny. I've already answered my question. I'm like, well, these places I'm not making to are just on the next trip. Well, you can't see the whole world in one trip. Exactly. And I think as we've talked about before, the more you travel, the bigger the world gets. Yep. So you're going to go see a couple of places in India and then be like, holy crap. There's all these other places I need to go see, and it's going to be right back on the list to go to India. Yeah, I was reading something recently, and there was like, if you spent even three years in India, you'd still never see all of it. I believe it. You know? Tough to get around. Yeah. So many little villages and this or that. And I think we take for granted how big that country is. Do you know the comparative size of it? Like, what it would be comparable to? I don't. But even Africa has been like this overwhelming kind of sense of uh, how, how little we truly are. So, you know... Africa has 50 countries in it. Yeah. 50 countries. 50 countries. And flying from Dakar to Cape Town, you know, it's on the same continent, essentially. You're like, oh, that's going to be an easy flight. Six hours, probably. Oh, it's like 14 or 15 14? hours. 14? <laughs> oh, because you got to connect. Pro- Not a lot of direct flights, I'm <laughs> <No>. guessing. <laughs> so I think we leave Dakar at, I don't know, I think like at 9, no, I think in the afternoon, and we don't get in into Cape Town until like, late the next day Mm. you know i'm like are you kidding me but then even flying you know from nairobi 
into Turkey, we still have to do like a stop in you know, Dubai, the probably, or something. I think Saudi Arabia or something, you know. Okay. And it's so. amazing, the flight paths. Like, even in South America, if you're in Argentina and you just want to get to Chile or something like that, a lot of times you have to fly way north and then yeah. come all the way back down because they just don't have routes that right. go efficiently. Which is so funny. Because you're like, it's right there. Exactly. You might, you might as well just drive versus doing the whole flight thing. What is your mood right now? You seem very calm. Are you having a lot of anticipation or nervousness about leaving? Oh, my God. Like, this is all out of my control. I'm leaving everything behind. Or do you feel things are going to be so buttoned up to here? It's like, I don't even have to think about Palisade. Like, you don't have to think about your fields. You don't have to think about your house or anything like that. You know, I'm so obsessive. You're bringing that, your girlfriend with you. That helps. Yeah, she'll meet me in yeah. three weeks. Okay. You know? But I'm so obsessive, like, I literally think through everything. And then if I think I thought of it all, I basically comb through it even with a finer brush or a comb, you know. Like, last night we were kind of just laying around and thinking about some stuff. And I was, like, looking at these dates in the Loire Valley. And I was like, wait, I'm there that day. And then I get my rental car. And then I leave from the Loire Valley to Reims, you know, Champagne, on this day. I'm like why do I have a rental car that day? And I was like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and so I start getting back online and looking at everything. And I was like, oh, that's right. My train doesn't leave until later. I actually rented a car from the train station so I can just pull right back in, drop the car off, wait an hour or two, and then take off. So like literally, I mean, it's funny. We sit here, Sloan and I, like constantly on her laptop going over stuff. I'm reading her all this stuff. And we're like, okay, we booked this one through you know, booking.com. And we booked this one through, um, you know, Airbnb. So it's like we have a 26-page itinerary I was right say, now. How are you organizing out. all this? 26 pages? 26 pages. Wow. Yeah. Because it includes everything. It includes like our flights, our booking reference numbers, who we booked it through, the trains to get to and from or the flights. You know, we have tours lined up in different places, the times of things. It's just... That way we can kind of look at it and like remember like, oh crap, we had that tasting today. But also it's something really nice to kind of put online and then share with our families. So if we go, you know, radio silence for two or three days, we're like, oh, they're in Botswana right now. So obviously there's probably not really good cell reception down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was the planning? So you, it sounds like you're a planner. So that made sense to you to schedule everything six months in it out yeah. even like your train going one place to the other you really that makes you feel good about it yeah just because once again like trying to get from one place to the next in set amount of time it just made more sense so once again knowing that we're going on this day around this time it just leaves more room for spontaneity once we get there like i've never been that type of traveler where it's like i'll just get there and i'll figure it out like, no, there's yeah. this giant festival happening in this town right now, and there's not a room to be found for, like, the next 300 miles around it. Yeah, fair enough. So, Don't want to run into something like that. Yeah, you know, and it's just, like, we're not on a time, like, a, a tight time schedule, but in some ways we are because, you know, India, we were only allowed 30 days on just a general visa. It's only 30 days? Well, we can apply for, like, a, a more of a tourist, like, 90-day visa, but at the same time, we want to kind of make this about a year and a half. And so we're trying to chase seasons as well. So, you know, we'll be getting into Thailand in October. So what a great time to get into Thailand, Beautiful. you know. So we'll do Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, and then basically that will be three months. And then we'll try to do, you know, Indonesia, 
Philippines and then Japan like around February. It's kind of nice having it because you have the booking. You could always probably cancel it if you want to yeah. stay longer. I'm yeah. going to drink a beer next. Okay. Thank you very much. No I do like it, but I get uh, got to get some hydration going <laughs> because if you I, – I would struggle maybe leaving a place because you kind of – you like it and you're like, all right, well, we'll leave Friday. And then you're like still having to go, oh, well, this weekend is this, so let's stay again. And, and that's a nice part of travel. You may want to do that and you could push your booking back, but – Sometimes it's nice to just have the motivation of like, okay, we have to leave it behind because we're going to see a lot of other cool things yeah. too. And uh, you plan this around the world trip and then all of a sudden you never leave Europe or something. Yeah, right? and it's like how many temples do you need to see in Thailand or in Vietnam, totally. you know, to a point where you're like, okay, I'm templed out. Yeah. You know, or we were even laughing because like all these places that we want to go, like we keep sending each other, you know, Instagram things from like Palawan and all these places throughout Vietnam. And I was like, how much blue water are we going to see and how tired of it are we going to get? And we both looked and we started laughing. We're like, we're not going to get tired of that. I'm glad you brought that up. Getting jaded while traveling is a huge thing. I mean, I've experienced it. You're like, all right, another temple, big deal. But it's like, wow, this is amazing, right? Yeah. Do you guys have strategy to combat that? Try and just stay fresh? Yeah, I think we're mixing it up. You know, the way that we're doing it, we're doing a really good mix of, you know, cities into villages into the middle of nowhere. And even like the route that we're working, you know, like we're going to different parts of the world that offer different things. So you like, by the time you get tired of something, like you're moving on to something else. But we are very aware of burnout and we're trying to give ourselves, like Europe's going to be a sprint essentially just to kind of get through it. But as we get more and more, you know, near the end of it, we start to really slow down because I'll be in France, like I said, for three weeks before she arrives. We'll be there for like another week and a half. And then we'll do Switzerland for like three days. And that was just by chance because I couldn't find a damn train for some reason to get from, say, like Avignon to Torino. For some reason, I couldn't find a train. And I never thought of the buses, you know. So the easiest way was to basically go from Lyon to Geneva, and I was like, well, I don't really want to spend time in Geneva. But then I found out there was this town right outside of it called Nyon, which is like kind of like in a big wine growing region. And I was like, okay, let's spend three days there. Then we'll go into Italy and we'll do, we'll do Milan for a few nights. We'll do a day trip to Bergamo and then we'll go Asti, Siena, Tuscany. And then we'll spend like five or six nights in Bologna. Hmm. You know, we're doing like a pasta making class there. Ah, oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. And then, Tuscany is amazing. Yeah. I and just went there in November. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I can't oh wait. God. It's rolling hills with all these medieval villages built at the top of the hill. You yep. know, old school, see the intruders coming kind of vibe. Yep. But now it's just like, oh, you just sight lines for days. It's all vineyards now and just cobblestone streets with yeah. all these old structures. It's very, th- very cool. I think we have an actual tasting in Siena or just right outside of it. And then we move on to Florence. And then we have like another tasting, you know, 20, 25 minutes outside of Florence at this other, you know, chateau or estate or whatever. Um, and it's like the, the just kind of in the thick of Tuscany and I can't wait. But then we'll do Slovenia for like five days and then we'll do Krakow for I think seven, which is really cool. And then never been to Copenhagen and I was, that was just kind of one of those things where it was like really cool and easy to find a flight going from Krakow because we wanted to go basically go directly from Krakow to Lisbon and it was super expensive. And I was like, well, what's kind of halfway in between there? And we looked at Copenhagen and the flights were like dramatically reduced in cost. 
So it's like, okay, let's go do like five days in Copenhagen. And then we'll go to Lisbon and we'll spend like seven days there. And then we'll go to Sevilla and we'll spend like, you know, seven or eight days there. So we can do day trips into Cordoba and Jerez. And then we finish with four nights in Madrid, which, you know, Madrid's great. I love it, but it's basically just a big eating and drinking town. That yeah. sounds like your entire vibe, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's pretty much the vibe I'm yeah. getting from you. Copenhagen is has like a little dirty underside, which is, is cool. There's uh, certain areas there that are really fun. If you take the train there, you can actually train into Sweden just 20 minutes to Malmo. Malmo. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool t- town. It's a university town. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Even if you just go in for the day to say you were in Sweden and check it out. That's what we're going to do. Isn't there like a cool train that goes under the water or something or – uh, or is that the interstate or the highway? I don't know. I didn't take that to get okay. there, but I flew into Copenhagen. I, I took the train over. I don't remember it being below ground, but God, dude, this was probably eight years ago. So who knows okay. what I was doing. But then, you know, we go into Northern Africa and, and I, now the trip begins. Yeah. Now the trip begins, getting you know, out, cause Europe's so easy. It's right? easy. Right. It's like basically just like the U S you yeah. can look up, book your train in advance. It's all super simple. Everything's on time. Yeah. Now you enter Africa, different yeah. ball game. So we'll do, I think 16 days or something in Tunisia. And then we'll go to Morocco or to Morocco for like another 15 or 16 days. And we rented a car and we'll basically land in Casablanca and we'll go into Marrakesh and then we'll go way out to Merzuga and Eric Shebi up to Fez and Meknes up to chef Shawen Rabat. And then we're out. And then we go into Senegal. And for some, you know, Senegal was one of those places that we didn't expect to be spending so much time. But once again, to slow things down, to not get into India too soon. And then also, I think the way that the uh, the tour lined up for the Overland journey, we are going to be like in, we're going to be in Senegal for like 26 days. 26 days yeah. in Senegal? What are you going to do there? I've never been. So, you know, Dakar... Seems like it's a really cool modern city, lots of cool food, whatever, whatever. But then you have like Gore Island, which was like a really big thing in the slave trade. And then we'll go to Nigor Island. We'll go down to Sali, which is kind of like a big beach resort. And then we'll go up to Saint Louis, which is like an old French settlement. So we'll kind of stay along the coasts. And Senegal was French colony first, yeah, right? Exactly. So it's cool because we were like doing some research on like these energy lines for like our signs and stuff. And Sloan was kind of looking at things and my energy lines kept like lining up with Senegal for some reason. So for some reason, there's like a lot of energy there for me. What it's with your sign. Yeah. With my, with my, I'm a Taurus, Taurus. but like my birth date, the hour I was born, stuff like that, like my astrological kind of like energy lines and stuff like that. It just kept kind of intersecting through like the car especially. And I was like, it's really weird how it kind of ended up that way where we're going to be spending so much time there. Maybe yeah. it was meant to be. Yeah, maybe. What's the longest you've traveled consecutively previous to this? Like on my own? Yeah, just, I mean, now you're going away for 18 months. So what's the longest trip you've done consecutively? Oh, probably like a month. Wow. Yeah. Are you ready for this, Joseph? I better be. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to what you said, I was kind of getting tired. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you anticipate spending, like, how are you going to manage your energy? Are you going to put pressure on yourself to, like, go get it every day? What's back to the point where I was, I guess I was going with this whole story is that we realized that we were going to have to find time to, like, really settle down and just chill. So I think after sprinting through Europe and then essentially sprinting through Northern Africa, Senegal will be that kind of, like, you know, 
time to like really kind of catch our breath, rest and relax. And how far is that into the trip? One month? About a month. Yeah. About two months in. Okay. And then, you know, we'll go down, we'll go down to Cape town and we'll just, you know, we're still staying in all of like the wine regions. So Parle, Stellenbosch, Franz Schoek, all those areas for like three weeks. And it's amazing the time that we're traveling, it's their winter. So we're staying like on the, all these giant estates with vineyards in these, you know, just the pictures of them are like, they'll blow your mind. And it's like, you know, 20 bucks a night and breakfast is included. And it's like, you're on a working winery or in a working vineyard. And like you're within, you know, this many minutes walks to this other like world-class vineyard and stuff like that. And that'll be cool. So we can get a little bit more relaxation and get kind of all of our alcohol consumption in before we take off on that 49 day journey. That to me seems like it's going to be exhausting. The 49 days through. Yeah, so a, that's an overland Africa trip, right? Overland Africa trip. And so you're in a Land Rover, I'm guessing? Well, it's a big kind of, uh, it's like a big people mover. I mean, you have to see, you have to find this online. It's like this really big truck that kind of holds, you know, up to 20 people. These giant windows. You have your own personal lockers on the back. And then it's kind of like a bus. But There's lockers in the bus? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Let's pull up a picture of this, man. I got to see. What's the company called? If you type in Intrepid, like type in Intrepid. Oh, it's Intrepid. Yeah. Oh, they're great. Intrepid Overland Vehicle or something like that for Africa. But it's basically like a big bus with giant wheels on it that can handle, you know, the back country of Africa. But it's cool because we'll take off, we'll go into Namibia, and then we'll go into like Zimbabwe and Zambia, Botswana, Malawi. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that cool? I'll post a picture when we when we run the episode. Yeah. And then this is oh, I see. So they have the lockers in the back. Yeah. So instead of a back door like of a school bus where yeah. you would emergency exit, it's just a whole a wall of lockers. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And like the itinerary is really cool because, you know, there's some long days of travel, obviously. It's Africa, but like we spend Dude, like long day is going to be, that's an understatement, <laughs> yeah. man. I mean, I've done a lot of Africa travel, nothing like you're about to do. Yeah. And it's just, the infrastructure is not there. I mean, right. it's like, oh, we're just driving. And it's like, yeah, it's eight hours. Like, okay. But it's eight hours on a four by four road, right. basically getting yeah. thrown around. I think we have like uh, six game drives, you know. Awesome. Like, yeah, we we actually stay in the Serengeti, like in the park itself. And You're doing camp in the crater. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. And then we're doing Victoria Falls. We're doing Lake Malawi. We're going to Zanzibar and Spice Island and all that stuff. And it's just. It wasn't cheap by any means, well, but, I mean, you know. Dude, you're traveling around the world. I yeah. don't think. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, I, I figured that Africa would be pretty cheap. And so far, out of all the stuff that we've booked, Africa is by far the most expensive thing. Really? Oh, my just God. Just because of the transportation and everything. I think it's become so just highfalutin, you know, people wanting to go to Africa. East Africa, it's not cheap. No. Yeah. Kenya, those countries, yeah. it's pricey it's luxury tourism but you know given the price that my friends told me and my sister like they went to kenya for like seven days and they did like three game drives and then with accommodation it was close to like eight grand mm, you I know for 50 days this was i think you know six or seven thousand dollars each that's great so it's yeah. really nothing I mean, and all your food's tonight. covered do and you camp in a tent every night no, so there's nights where we get to stay like at you know hotels. They call them chateaus. They have, they have a, just a mix of everything. But essentially, being a couple, we get our own tent. And so there are some nights where you have to go pop your own tent. But they're like the tents that you can stand up in, and they have cots and they have all the they stuff. They make it in nice. Them. Yeah, exactly. The guides on this trip need to be your best friends, man. 
they're going to yeah. be have so much stories. I met an overland guide once, and when they probably you're probably traveling with a mechanic, I'm guessing, because if you bus breaks down or you get a flat tire, there's nothing to do when you're in the middle of the wilderness. There's so. a mechanic, a driver, and a cook. That's so old school, man. That's so cool. It's like 100 years ago. That's like how you would travel with all your little expertise people on board. That's so cool. You need to just have drinks with them every night. Yeah, you know. Stories would be amazing. They have what they – what do they call it? The the kiddie pool or something like that or or it's like – I forgot the term for it, but basically they ask you at the beginning of the trip if you just want to basically throw a bunch of money into a pot. And that way, that the guides are just being tipped regularly. Oh, and nice. so like you start off with like, let's throw a thousand dollars into the pot between all of us, and that way we can tip people in villages, we can tip our people, and then whatever's left over at the end of the journey, if anything, you get it back oh. amongst the group. But um, you're not getting anything back. No, <laughs> no. But the cool thing is, yeah. it's like you know, like they put you to task. So it's like you know, one group of people clean the bus when we arrive. And one group go to the market and help the cook, you know. You got to clean the bus? Well, like wipe it down. Like mm. they like, want to have clean things. So it's like if there's 10 of us, you know, two will like wipe the bus down. And then two will go with the cook to buy stuff from the market for tonight's dinner. And yeah, that'll be neat. So it's like you're kind of constantly rotating through like tasks and duties to not be so bored and also not feel like you're so just, you know, above everybody else. It's like you need to be humbled and remember that they're doing this for you. You know, like you're providing them a living, but at the same time, they're providing you an experience. Yeah, and you're part of a team, exactly. and part of a group who's traveling yeah. pretty wildly. Africa is just one of those places that always sticks out in my mind. Have you been before? You know, with the military. Okay. So I've already done like seven African countries, but it was like, you know, war zones. So Somalia, <laughs> Sudan, you know. Good time of year to yeah, be there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just, oh man, it's just the wilderness there just puts you in your place. Yeah. Because... It's a whole spiel. I won't go on it now, but you know, humanity is just out of control, and we're just so used to overpowering nature, and it's easy to do here in the U.S. I mean, okay, there's a bear in the woods maybe, but we're not really worried about it. Right. But you go to Africa, and you're literally at the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. You get out in these wilderness areas, and you just see how big these animals are, how unique they are, how evolved they are, and they're not scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> they are not scared of you. They're not like going to rush away in fact when i went there one time i remember going on a walking safari and i was telling the guide how in the u.s you know you make noise when you hike because you want to scare away bears or whatever and if you do that you're safe i was like should i do that here and he looks at me he says will if you do that here we're all gonna die that will attract them yes he's (laughs) like you do not make noise in fact do the opposite he's like you're not coming (laughs) yeah it's funny like on the you know some of these things we were reading about on the itinerary it's like when we're in the serengeti it's like you know when you go to sleep you stay in your tent. And if you have to leave your tent, you make sure you somehow get a hold of one of your guides. Obviously, they're on probably watch with rifles because it's not uncommon for Cape Buffalo to be in camp, for hyenas to be circling the tents, for lions to walk up and take a look-see. It's like the last thing you want to do is walk out of this tent at 2 o'clock and we're looking at the stars and there's this freaking pride of lions is sitting right there waiting for you totally you know and they're like oh yeah cool hey you just surprised us but at the same time the other side of the coin you'll have these experiences where you'll see like a mama elephant picking grass and then wiping it off in the water to clean it to like feed her calf who's the cutest little baby elephant you've ever seen so you just see like the beauty and rawness of nature all at once and you'll drive by skeletons that are decomposing or zebras that have their whole midsides ripped open and you're just going to see the whole circle of life it's such a cliche but it's so true yeah 
and I just some of the most powerful experiences. Hippos are so funny too. They're like little cartoon characters, and they're crazy dangerous. Yeah, and then I think we go through this one reserve where we take, like, these dugout canoes that hold, like, three people in them. So it's obviously the guide who's kind of, like, you know, pushing us through, like, these uh, these marshes. And they're like, it's not uncommon to kind of, like, surprise hippos going out to, like, this kind of, you know, outback camp. And I was like, that's probably the thing that scares me the most is coming up on some freaking hippo. That does, was not aware that we were there. Those things are dangerous. They're violent. Dude, they're they're so cute. <laughs> and they have little short legs. And they make like little fun snorting no- noises. Beautiful to listen to if you have a balcony over the river and yeah. having a beer. But yeah, I was on a boat in Malawi. And we had a, a hippo attack our engine. It was an outboard motor. And I was just trying to be a cool guy with my elbow up on the side of the boat. Riding. Had the wind in my hair. It was like all cool. And I look back, and I just see this huge mouth come out of the water and just clank right no on the outboard way. motor. I was like, I better bring my elbow in. Dude, it's it's serious. You're in nature, man. Did and you? the locals are so used to it yeah. that it's they'll laugh at you. And yeah. you're like, dude, we almost just got <laughs> killed, right? Did you dive or snorkel at all in Lake Malawi? I did. I snorkeled in Lake Malawi. So what, it's like super alkaline there? So it has it's, like all sorts of like uh, tropical fish and stuff? Yeah, it's uh, and it has like unique species that are endemic to there that are found nowhere else. It's like this own pool of evolution because it's so isolated and everything. cichlids. Cichlids, exactly. But it's kind of terrifying, man, because there is essentially one season where crocodiles are in the lake and one season where they're not. And when they're not, it's like, snorkel boat, let's go. And it's really scary because you're – it's not super clear Caribbean water. I mean, there are patches where you can see good visibility, but – just snorkeling around and everyone's telling you it's safe yeah they feed you some bullshit about like crocodiles are like super shy around humans yeah. i'm like why would they be shy of humans when they take down cape buffalo dude the african <laughs> the size of the african <laughs> crocodile is just i mean if you've been to florida and you see gators and it's yeah, like yeah. whatever these things are massive like what 18 20 feet or something like that huge yeah dude just beasts prehistoric beasts god scary yeah, scary. And that but that's just the beauty of it. Like you're seeing nature at its most powerful. Like I can't think of anywhere else where the animals are more powerful. Right. And it's just such an experience to have to feel so like oh my god, like if it weren't for our brain and our technology, like we're nothing compared to these. It's really cool. They have these excursions where you can go like whitewater rafting down the Zambezi. I've and I'm done like, it. Yeah. Isn't it like, aren't the shores filled with crocodiles? They are. Oh. Yep. Yep. And <laughs> the locals think it's funny. They flipped our boat on purpose. You know, it's like, oh, you're going and, you know, raft people, how crazy they are, river guides. And they'll flip your boat and it's okay. And it's, I mean, I guess in theory they know where the crocs are, you would think. You would think. But all it takes is uh, one little thing. Yeah. Are you going to do the bungee jump at Victoria Falls? I don't know. Zambezi? I want to do the pool, though, if it's like season. Like the de- devil's pool right yeah. on top of it? Yeah. yeah. you should. I mean, I look at, I watch videos of it and it literally gives me anxiety. I mean, my heart begins to race and I'm like. But what's one way to beat that fear is to, to actually it. jump in there and do it. I well, hear it's like relatively safe. I mean, relatively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they put some bullshit like propaganda out there saying like no one's ever died from going over. Sure. I'm like, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, when I was there, the guy <laughs> told me the story that an elephant had gone over. That um, at certain times of year it gets drier, so the elephants will kind of get more adventurous and walk out and that. I don't know. One got a baby. One got swept over the side of it, and all this stuff. Oh Just God. the stories that you're going to hear. Yeah. But to your point, it's if you don't do that stuff, why are you going? 
Exactly. Right? Like you're not – my line I came up with back in the day to motivate myself was you don't travel to sit on the sidelines. No. So it's like why am I here if I'm going to not raise my hand to volunteer? Why am I here if I'm going to be like, oh, actually, I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, I'll just stay back. Yeah. Like, no, you're here to do it. Do it. Just do everything. Just do it. I want to come back with a thousand-yard stare, you know, like – I've been there, done that, saw that, you know, like the military, is that a military (laughs) term? Like Like shell shock kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you the longest I've ever traveled consecutively is two months. Right. And at the end of those two months, if you would have offered me to continue traveling or death, I would have chosen death. (laughs) But you were traveling a little differently though, right? I was, I was guiding a tour. I had a group of 20 some people. It was, but literally if, if I wasn't allowed to go home that day, I would have chosen death. Yeah, I didn't. So you're going to be able to manage your energy a little bit more, but that'll be important because you're going to get to Europe and be so excited. You're going to be in all these French vineyards and you're going to be drinking and eating. And so Sloan, I mean, what's her, are you guys feeling like you're really connected in terms of, because traveling with someone's way different than if I travel with some of my best friends, I'd kill him. Yeah. You know, we communicate really, really effectively. We can kind of, feel each other and kind of finish the other person's thought before they even are able to finish it. And, uh, we've actually gone to do a few like therapy sessions, like preemptive therapy to kind of help us deal with situations that might arise. Really? Yeah. So like a travel therapist. Yeah. Well, you know, she's a couples therapist and whatever, but you know, with my military stuff, she was, she was my therapist and I told her what was happening and she's like, you know, if you guys are ever interested in just kind of getting a few pointers of like, you know, kind of how to wind things down before they wind up, I'd be happy to work with you. So we went to the first one. It was really helpful and just kind of like little hints on communication. And we were like, we should try this one more time. So we went back. We actually just finished the last session today. Can you share any of the advice? This, You know, the biggest thing is, is lear- you know, the biggest, obviously, like in the relationship is communication and and knowing how to communicate with your partner. And the big thing is paraphrasing a lot of things with your partner. So if your if your partner says or you know gets reactive about something, you kind of read it back to them but in a calm manner. It's like, "So what I'm hearing you say is this and this and this. Is that right?" And so that way the partner's like, "Yeah, I feel heard." And then we kind of came up with our own thing with that. And it's like, so I'm, I hear that you're saying this and I, fe- and I'm, I, I understand that you're feeling this way and I could have done this differently. And our, we told our therapist that, and she's like, Oh my God, you guys just took it one step further. <laughs> like usually that's, you know, a different aspect of communication, but I love this. I'm going to use this for my other clients. And then my biggest thing was, it's like, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. I'm going to be in a completely different part of the world doing completely different things. And my fear was her catching up with me three weeks later after she had her head down, grinding it out to get to me. And we're going to be in such different places. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, how do we kind of do the on-ramp together where we're both equal, where she feels heard and seen and that she made it to me finally. And you know, I feel seen and heard about all the amazing things that I've been doing, but I, I'm not like rubbing it in her face. Yeah. You know, totally. So, well, three weeks, it's, yeah, it's a long time. And if someone was just going away for three weeks, it would be a really long time. Right. But the fact that you're going to travel for 17 months together after that. Yeah. But you know, like once again, like we're in such different aspects at that point, cause I've already done all of my work. I've done all my planning and moving and scrubbing. 
and now I'm just off doing it. And she's going to do that. And now she's about to get deep into it and be like, shit, I've got so much stuff to do, you know, like the final countdown. So, you know, and then also being eight hours ahead, you know, it's like, wow, like we didn't get to talk for the last two days. Like we were able to text, but you were at work and I was at this appointment. And so it's really interesting, you know, and then what was another thing that was really kind of good for us? Yeah, communication was the biggest thing, really. It's just learning how to communicate, like I said, and understanding how to communicate with your partner. Compassionate for each other's vibe, too, and exactly. willing to spend the day apart, maybe. Yeah, that was the thing. We had to make like kind of an agreement where it's like if we need that time, like if, if somebody calls time out. It's like, dude, I need to rest today. Like, yeah. I want to just walk around, go see a movie, <laughs> yeah. hang out. It's like, well, I want to go taste 20 wineries. Like, right. All right, go ahead. Have fun. Yeah. But even like if you know situations arise where it's like, hey, you know what? I need a timeout. We give each other 30 minutes where once somebody, like even if we're stuck in a room or on a train together, let's just go silent for about 30 minutes. <laughs> do, do your coping mechanism. And then we come back. And if the 30 minutes wasn't long enough, we're like, I still need a bit more time. But just having that grace for one another is what really, what we need to learn and practice as often as we can. I, that identifies with me because when Julie and I travel together, you know, I've traveled by myself almost exclusively for the last 15 years. Yeah. And now Julie and I travel a lot together. And my strategy when I travel is to just really stay within myself. You know, air travel sucks. Yeah. There's so many parts of travel that are not glorious. And so if you're on all the time and reactive to everything, you're just going to burn out. Yeah. So I just get in my head, you know, I can space out for hours or I just, you know, I'm just kind of blanking out everything going around me. I get on the plane, like I don't need to say anything. I'm in my zone. When I'm traveling with Julia, I sort of just naturally go into that. Like, okay, we have 10 hours of travel. Like I'm just going into Will's world and she wants to like have fun and be like, oh, we're on the plane and here we go. (laughs) Or not always, but sometimes she's in that mood and I have to like. We have to work through that because she's like, well, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, nothing wrong. I'm just going into my will travel mode yeah. where I'm used to being by myself and just managing my energy. So when I get there, I'm good. So we had to learn to communicate that. And it's like, no, nothing's wrong at all. This is yeah. just, sorry, I, like, I'll come alive, but I'm just used to being by myself. Yeah. And so that will be, I think, interesting for you guys to experience too. And I sleep incredibly well on public transportation flights. I mean, as soon as that door closes, we get up to altitude. Um, good night. Yeah, like you, you know. don't need to talk every single minute. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's not like, oh, if we're not talking, that means we're mad at each other. No, right. it's like, let's just read a book on a train. Let's Hemingway, you know, let's yeah. uh, write in our journal. Let's take some time to – actually, that was one of the things on my tour I tried to instill in my guests. I'm like, guys, like when you're on the train, like it's it's a good time to think about like and process what you've experienced. You don't have to party every second and just like right. make it all crazy. It's like take some reflection time. And mostly I was telling them that because I hope they would be quiet so I could do that. (laughs) Didn't work. But, yeah, I think communication with someone when you're traveling for that long, I mean, you can't expect it all to just be like, oh, we're on the same page every day. Right. No, like somebody's going to be tired and dragging one day. Someone's going to be super excited about something that someone's not excited about. And it's going to be this give and take all along. Yeah. I think we've already discussed also, like, if we need to separate from each other, it's like a one block radius essentially. Right. A one block radius. Well, it's like, okay, well, we're down here on the street and like I need time or you need time or whatever. And it's like, I want to go check this out and I want to go check this out. Well, depending on where we're at, let's, let's not be any further than like say this one block radius. And if you want to move on, then let's just kind of keep leapfrogging the one block thing. So we're always kind of close to each other. 
and can meet up at any moment. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's totally okay to do your own thing on a trip. In yeah. fact, I would encourage it because then you, I don't know, you just feel like you have your own space. I mean, have you ever in your life spent 18 consecutive months with the same person every day? No. I, I mean, mean, I don't even do that with girlfriends. It's like naturally you just spend that time apart because you're working or you're you're doing things differently to just have the whole day, every day together. I think it's yeah. unrealistic, honestly. It is, you know. And I just love spa and hammam and stuff like that so much. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of times where I'm like, I'm going to go get a massage and sit in a steam room. And If you're not getting a two-hour massage <laughs> every other day in Asia, I will come over there myself and get it for you because <laughs> that's like the whole point of going to Asia. Yeah, like we were told by some friends, it's like they every day when they were like in Thailand, they would have, and even Vietnam, they would have their own masseuse come and it was like you know 10 10 bucks or something for like a two-hour massage yeah you go to a nice spa in thailand or bangkok and for a two-hour massage and you'll be like i don't know this is kind of expensive it's 30 bucks oh my god for like two hours and then you can of course get your eight dollar two-hour massage if you want but yeah dude it's just that's the culture there yeah it's just massage culture and it doesn't i i try and i think the older the masseuse the better but People have their own <laughs> strategies for that. You know, and it's funny because as soon as we get out of Africa, we go back to Turkey and then, like I said, Greece and then Republic of Georgia. Georgia. Which mm. I'm so excited about. So you're starting in Tbilisi, right? Yeah. So once we leave, like I said, we'll probably do like close to the month in Turkey with, you know, I think eight or nine nights in Greece. And then we'll go into Tbilisi. And I think we're there for close to three weeks. And we're going to Caverde, and then we're going to... Caverde is the wine region, right? Yeah. Yep. Right outside of Tbilisi, a couple hours. Yeah, and then something that starts with the S, it's like Sinagi is another region, and then there's one more. But it's cool because all these places that we found are like guest houses, and it's all these people that own these places that provide you breakfast, and they all have like their own cellars. They're all winemakers. And the Quevery. Yeah. Ah, so it's like, Dude. you know, I read all the reviews. People are like, oh, my God, this is the best thing. The food was amazing. And it, it was so cool to come back every night and, like, sit down with the owners who are the, also the winemakers and drink their, like, own wine. And Tough I was like, life. oh, my God, dude, this sounds, like, right up my alley. Saparave is the grape there, right? It's one of them. Yeah. 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 I really enjoy that. It's like a deep red wine. Yeah. It's funny because you're just, like, I think there's, like, six main areas of Georgia, you know, in either direction. And I think we're working more towards the West. I remember I went in, oh God, when was it? 2018. And the thing then, I'd be interested to hear after you go, it was the quivery is like the traditional way to make it in the clay pots underground. Underground, yeah. And just kind of throw everything in there, see what happens. And then they also made modern wine in stainless steel tanks. Right. So when you would go, it's kind of like what you were talking about. They would have the same grape, but one was from the Quevery old style and one was from the stainless steel new style. Yeah. And you would try them side by side. Just yeah. fascinating. Huge difference. Super cool, man. Yeah. yeah. And the food in Georgia is so good. Yeah. And so then from there, we go into India, like I was saying, and we, we chose Intrepid again. Because trying to piece together a trip through India, like I was really interested in starting in Mumbai and then working up and then, you know, doing, you know, was it Accra for the Taj Mahal and Varanasi and like all these areas. And then I found like this 22 day guided journey through northern India. And it's really cool because basically all they're doing is arranging transportation of how to get from one place to the next for you. And then they just leave you alone for two or three days. 
oh, so it's not an itinerary every day. No. They just help you get there. And, Essentially. And it's free day. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So we're landing in Delhi, I think, like four days before this journey even begins. And then we're going to kind of, you know, check out Delhi ourselves. And it's cool because with Delhi, two in Bangkok, and then one in um, Marrakesh, we chose a chef's tour. So those guided food tours for like three hours, they take you from place to place and kind of show you. And we're doing it always at the beginning of a journey. So we can kind of get like our footing on food and drink while we're in country. That's a great idea. Great tip. So yeah. do it the first day, get first introduced day. to all the national dishes and everything. Exactly. And then you're sorted yep. to go forward. Because I mean, like something like, you know, India, like I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah. You know, so many different kinds yeah. of food, so many regions. <laughs> And then we booked one in Bangkok because we're staying when we get there in Chinatown, you know, for like four nights. And we're doing a tour there. It's called like the back streets of Bangkok. But then I found this other one called Old Siam. And they take you through all like the rivers and they take you like to really old, ancient parts of Thailand and actually do classic Thai dishes. And I was talking with Sloan. I was like, should we do both? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> are you going to, how are you going to exercise on your journey? Are you going to come back fat? No. So that's what I was also telling you, you know, we have this whole kind of thing, which I've been trying to set myself up on now. I'm trying to kind of create the habit now. So getting up early, first thing in the morning, I'm writing and then I'm doing like some meditation. And Every then, morning, that's your plan on the trip? Or well, you're that's, doing what that that's what I'm doing now. Oh, okay. And so I want to kind of continue that. But I also bought some looped resistance bands mm. because it's like a portable gym. And I was telling you that I've been working with those now for about three weeks just to kind of learn the movements and how to work with them. And man, I haven't been this sore in ages. And so, you know, like we're really excited because like we want to like, we bought some good running shoes. So we want to get up in the morning and like, let's go run through Paris, you know, one morning. Oh, yeah. You know, let's go run through, let's go run on the beach in Senegal. Meet up with a running club. Exactly. Good way to meet people. You know, but really we're kind of trying to be completely mindful about getting up in the morning, doing some mindful time exercising before the day even begins because it's really easy to get caught up like we don't want to be the constant tourists we don't want to live like tourists we want to live like locals and like this is our life this is our job for the next year and a half so like we need to kind of have a consistency and like a pattern and you know it's not always getting wasted the night before and then waking up hungover and starting the day again oh god you know Dude, you burn out man you can't do it that's why you tell me all these wine regions i'm like oh my god yeah but once again they're they're scattered you know like europe will once again kind of be a sprint and it's very intense yeah um, and then as we start moving through like things start becoming more and more spread out yeah and africa you probably won't drink that much maybe like a beer or two at the end of the day kind of vibe, but yeah, like Senegal seems really cool. Like there's not a whole lot of wine there, but like they had like their local beers, you know, South Africa will be the time to kind of catch up. Cause after South Africa, there's like no more wine. Yeah. You'll be on the overland trip. That's what I mean. It's like, you'll be and yeah. you'll be wanting a cold beer at the end of the day, and, yeah. but you're not going to be, you know, throwing it back. I mean, the next time I probably will see wine was once we actually get back into the Americas. Yeah, right. You'll have like 20 bottles in your suitcase. But, you know, what I'm saying is like (laughs) wine regions will be like Chile or Argentina. Is there anything that you're afraid of in terms of starting this journey? Um, No, I don't think so. I just kind of have just kind of given up. (laughs) <laughs> like not giving up, that. but just, yeah, I mean, it is what it is now. I just need to kind of give in to what's going to happen. There's obviously like the fear of like, Oh, like, you know, she'll leave me during halfway during the trip. Oh, well, I don't mean that. I just, but I don't know. Like fears. No, I mean, 
shit, if I die doing a bungee jump over Victoria Falls, and what a great way to die, you know? Yeah. I mean, but there's gorillas that pull our bus over and put guns to our heads, and that's part of a story later, yeah. you know? I just Really, I just kind of have to give in to, like, the whole idea of traveling for this long. I have no control over any of it at this point, except not to go. No, you have to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going. the only control I have, though. It's like, you know, once I take that step into, like, that, that runway or that, that catwalk or whatever to get on the flight, then I know it's real, you know? And it's funny, you know, for the first time ever, I took like the privilege of booking myself some higher, you know, class seats on a flight. You had booked first class? Well, you know, from Junction to Dallas, I booked first class. Oh, yeah. Joe Flynn. Yeah, yeah. It's on one of those little puddle jumpers. But then I was looking at business class and first class from Dallas to um Paris and it was still pretty expensive and then recently I got back on and I, I must have missed the deal but business class got sold out entirely but then they had the premium economy mm. for like an additional 130 bucks and I read about it and I watched YouTube videos of what a Boeing 787 whatever you know premium economy was like and I was like hell yeah I'm getting that plus you premium food and premium wine and I can actually have a little leg rest to put my legs up on. And, 100%, man. You know, it's you like... You deserve it. Fuck it. Why not? Are you flying all the same airlines so you can get miles and kind of... Well, American only goes, you know, so many places. Oh, I know, but they have partner. You know, you can do the One yeah. World or you could do Star Alliance. Really what happened was is when we were kind of sitting here planning trips out, we're like, okay, we need to get from this place to this place. Let's get on Skyscanner or Google Flights. And it was funny because a lot of times those things would show the flights that were happening, but then you'd actually go to like some African airline and it was so much cheaper to actually book through them directly. But it became difficult because a lot of times they wouldn't take like these American credit cards or things were written in Swahili or French or something. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's just go back through Skyscanner. Yeah. Worth the extra hundred bucks. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to think of what you would compare it to. Just you're sitting on the precipice of just jumping off this big cliff and going or, shoving offshore you know like i watch a lot of youtube kind of tarot readers recently just to kind of see what the universe is holding for me and it's pretty crazy because it seems like they're li like listening into my conversations or reading like my itineraries they're like you know this is the journey like you're on this verge of this long journey that you're going to come back and from this point forward like you'll never be without again and you're creating a successful thing for yourself and blah 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 and i was like this is what I need to be hearing. Not like you've got a really rough year ahead of you and you know, be wary of this and don't walk into that. Like it's more like go for it. Just go. Yeah. yeah. Why did you choose the length of the trip you did? Was there a specific reason for that? Well, I always said I wanted to like just give everything up and go travel for a year. And then a year seems a little too quick to move that fast around the world. And so I think a full year going, just through, you know, where we're going. And then the next six months in the Americas was just perfect. And also because of the grapes and when the wine's going to be ready, you know, it just all kind of fell into place the way that it did. You know, once again, you just kind of like got to shut up sometimes and just listen. And then it's going to kind of tell you everything that you need to know. You've always been this in tune with signs and what the universe is telling you. Yeah, tried at least to listen. Sometimes I've fought it. 
I was like, that's not what I want. And the universe was like, what's not what you're going to get, you know? Is there, are you looking forward to connecting with the Eastern religions? Absolutely. You know, I always thought that I wanted to go find some monasteries or whatever and just be silent for a day or two and meditate with monks. You might have a chance. I think there will be plenty of chances, <laughs> you know. I really wanted to get up to more like the northern region of like India, you know, like more towards, you know, Kathmandu and Nepal and I'm stuff like that. Yeah. But Are you going to Nepal? No. How many countries are you doing? Do you know? I think when it's all said and done, if we, you know, do the stuff all through, which we will, through Central, South, and Mexico, or Central America, South America, and Mexico, it would be right around 40 countries that will fit fit in. Most people can't even dream of that, man. Most people never see that in their lives, 40 countries. No. And I've already done 36 countries. Oh, so this will be 40 new countries? Well, no, it'll be a repeat of a few, but I think when I'm done, you know, I'll probably be like around the 60s or 70s. Amazing, mark. man. Yeah. What advice would you have for people? Because this is something you've always wanted to do. And I'm yeah. sure tons of people think maybe they don't want to go for 18 years, but it's like, ah, oh, I'd love to just sell everything and travel around the world. And you're doing it. Yeah. How can people make this a reality? I mean, you've made it a reality and you've decided your life has kind of come to this point. Can do you have advi any advice that's come up for people who would be thinking about doing something like this, but would be hesitant? Well, your mind and your fear is like your biggest enemy. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I fought it, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I sell this house? Whatever. But you just got to trust in, you just got to trust in what you want to do. And if it's something that you really, really want to do, it's going to work out in your favor. Just don't let the fear control you. That would be my advice. And sometimes you have to take these big leaps to actually accomplish exactly what it is that you want. I was fortunate enough to have this house. You know, most, a lot of people are not fortunate to kind of have this situation. You know, because if it was up to me, I would never sell this place. But just given the same. Well, who is it up to? Well, I mean, it was, I think it was up to the situation and the circumstances that were happening here. I see. Yeah. The way everything kind of fell out and unfolded this past year, um, there really was no other choice for me except to like stay here and really try to work on periphery now, which I didn't think was the time to kind of create a bigger and better thing or move away. And I didn't want to move away. My biggest, my biggest regret of starting this journey was like not coming back here. And now I feel like everything worked out even better because I was able to sell the house, make a shitload of money off of it, where I can go travel the world for a year and a half and still come back and have an enormous nest egg. I was just going to ask you if you were stressed about money at all, <laughs> no. because like you sold the house. We know that. That seems to be what's funding the trip. But you feel like you can do it all and still yeah, yeah come back yeah. sorted. Yeah. Like I, I have nothing to worry about, you know, thankfully. I'm very blessed that way. Once again, everything just kind of worked out the way it was supposed to because it was meant to work out this way. Are you putting yourself on a certain budget while you travel? You know, I don't want to spend a certain amount, but I always told myself if I did this, initially I was going to give myself a $50,000 budget. And so far, I mean, we're so booked. Like the cool thing is all accommodations and transport and everything's paid for. And I've only spent, you know, like 20. 20 Gs. Yeah. That's it? That's it. For 18 months? For eight, well, so far up to November of next year, or this okay. year. At that point, we're working through Southeast Asia. Cheap, cheap, And then we'll cheap, go yeah. into Mexico and work south, and then we'll go and, you know, 
like it's a great time to travel to Argentina right now, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look for those conversion rates. Yeah. Definitely. So it's like everything just kind of got cheaper. And so it's funny because Europe was a little expensive, but not as expensive as it could have been. Then Africa was the wallop. I mean, it just, but Which it was is, cool to get the, the big cost out of the way early in the trip. You know, India's dirt cheap. Yeah. You know, I can eat for a week on $6 there. Is that really that cheap? I mean, meals are like 30 cents. Wow. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. 30 cents? Yeah. Like if you want to do like stalls and Just, yeah, cheaper restaurants. Food. I'm a little hesitant about that. I want to have a bad case of deli belly. But oh, you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to submit to it. At some point along this way, you're going to get food poisoning. That's why we hired that chef's tour guy. So he can kind of take us around and show mm. us like the things to do and what not to do. Yeah, but I, I feel like when you're traveling, if you're not getting some kind of stomach discomfort, then you're not being adventurous yeah, enough. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not even about like eating nasty street food. It's just by nature of eating. If you go to tourist places that are you know, catering to tourists, then, yeah, they're going to do all that prep and make it extra miles so you don't feel anything. But if you just eat at a local restaurant, they're doing things different. So your belly's yeah. going to be a little weird. Yeah. And I think that's normal, and you should go through it. Yeah. And another thing is, is like, you know, we only live once that we remember at least, right? Mm, so, so just go for it. Go for it now because you're not going to get another chance. And, you know, it's funny because I was like reading this article recently and it, these analysts, like these financial analysts are talking about how people are oversaving now. Like we're saving so much money when we can that essentially when we get to the point of being able to spend it, we are not able to because we're injured or we're old or we have all these other life things that we have to deal with. So now we're just sitting with a grip of cash. So what do you want to die with? Like a stack of money or experiences, you know, hundred percent. Well, in your case, it's like, what are you saving it for? If not for an around the world trip? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. This is what it's been saving for. Yeah. This is what it's about. Yeah. And I mean, I already had good savings just from the years of saving and being in the medical field and stuff like that. So that's just tucked away. And now I have, you know, a nice big nest egg of liquid of just kind of sitting there that were, it's a once in a lifetime trip. And so I'm like, well, you know, I should really save the extra $15 a night on staying at this hostel as opposed to staying like at a four seasons. Yeah. No, you know, it's like, screw that. No. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. So, yeah. I mean, you don't want to blow it all. And that's, you just want to make sure you can make it through the whole thing, go too hard, too fast. And then yeah, things get stressful. But, but I also, once again, you know, the 50 grand is the budget, but there's more money to 50 G's is the budget. Well, that's the budget. But I mean, I'm not afraid of going over that because once again, it's a once in a lifetime thing. That's, I actually think that's pretty reasonable Yeah. for 18 months on the road. I mean, you may spend that living here in Palisade. Well, yeah, I mean, easily. I mean, right. I'm going to spend probably, you know, 20 grand just in a mortgage payment. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then gas is ridiculous. And then eating out and, you know, you go down the street here and it's a $200 dinner. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? We live in the middle of nowhere, but there are several restaurants here that are like would cost you way more than going out in Europe or yeah. going, you know, certainly going out in Asia and all that. But and yeah, so you may save money. That's the biggest fear. I think a lot of people too, is like, it's so expensive. Like the flights to get there are expensive, but once you're there, it's dirt cheap, especially if you know how to do it right. And you don't have to stay in a $10 a night hostel. You can find, you know, two star hotels in Europe are actually pretty good. You know, like I have my own bathroom. I have my own bed. The bed's comfortable. It's warm. Like I'm dry. And I'm in the city center, and I can walk to anything and everything. 
I want to talk about some more money saving techniques and food and eating, but sure. I got to pee. So okay. hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. I'm interested in how your approach to taking care of yourself is going to be. Are you going to eat out every night? Because you're such a food and wine guy, you may be tempted to go and eat at all these restaurants, but do you guys plan to cook at home? If do you, Are you getting places that have kitchens to help you do that? Yeah, we're doing a good mix of, you know, hotels. Uh, we're doing a couple hostels, like, you know, adult hostels. I think we have two times that we're actually staying like in a four bed mixed dorm just to kind of have that experience <laughs> just to see what other yeah 20 year olds are out there well the one in copenhagen is like really cool because i think it's only like four people to a room and it's mixed and then like the beds that they show are like these little pods where basically like you're completely enclosed in this pod and just your head shows and then you can close like the curtain you can have sex inside and no one hears you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever but let me know <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, yeah, we're doing a lot of Airbnbs just so we can have access to a kitchen. And that's one of the biggest things that we're talking about is like we have to have a certain amount of nights per stay that we go to a market and we just eat at home because we need some semblance of reality. And, you know, we're not, once again, the constant tourists. We're like part of like this community for the limited time that we're there. So it's like even if it's going buying like a loaf of bread and some meat, some pasta, whatever, and staying at home and sitting on the balcony or watching local television, that's what we have to do. And you like got to. We have to. You got to. We just we don't want to burn out, and we realize that there is a very you're huge, going to burn well, out. Yeah, you're but going to burn <laughs> out. There's going to be a time where you're going to be like, I need to break. Yeah, yeah I need to. I just need to chill. And that's why I said like there's a lot of times where like we have you know, down time in, in these countries just to kind of slow down and just be part of it because like we really thought that through. It's like, let's, let's sprint for this and let's kind of jog and then let's just stop and then let's kind of jog and then get back into a sprint and then stop, cold stop, you know, and then we're already like arranging, you know, spa things. It's like, oh, in this city, they have like this treatment thing. Let's go ahead and book it. Let's just get it on the books now so we can get there and we know that we have this to look forward to. So when we're two weeks out of this place, I cannot fucking wait until we get to that place and get that massage and sit in a hot tub and not have to move for four nights. That's good advice for people. I like what you were saying about all your tips for making the plan, the food tour in the beginning and just things to help you get the lay of the land. I mean, it's yeah. just great travel. I just was peeing in your bathroom obviously and i saw that you're really at all times planning you had a rick steves pamphlet on the toilet well it's a it's a european map mm. it's laminated too so it can't get wet it can't tear okay you know are you gonna bring any certain books with you no because the funny thing about traveling for a year and a half and wanting to do all carry-ons is that okay. space is limited so tell me about packing how are <laughs> what are you bringing for this trip so we're allowed a 40-liter bag, right? Okay. But it's really easy to overpack a 40-liter bag. So we decided to go with a 35-liter bag. So it's easier to overpack a 35-liter bag than a 40-liter bag. So I got a 35-liter Cotopaxi Alpa bag. Wait, hold on. It's easy to overpack a 40-liter, so you got a smaller bag that's easy to overpack? Well, because like if you have more space, you can put more into it. Now, if you have a smaller bag... I see. You know, you're so like, you're really well, wanting to limit yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have this tote 
that I got for Christmas, this really cool tote that she got me, and it holds just everything perfectly. And there's like this little bottom compartment that can hold like one pair of shoes. And so that's the whole purpose is we're traveling as light as we can. So I'm traveling for what we realize is when we get into Lisbon or to Sevilla, it's going to be April. So we're going to be able to kind of shed some weight. So we're going to travel with a bit more stuff for the first couple of months as we travel through Europe in the winter. So I'll have like four pairs, four pairs of pants, four sweaters, undershirts, socks, whatever. Once we get to Lisbon, we're basically sending everything home, just traveling as light as we can. From that point forward, we're going into Africa. Into yeah, you don't want to wear anything nice in Africa. Right. Right? Just T-shirt, pants. Yeah, that's exactly. it. Nothing fancy. Nope. Getting rid of, like, the big bulky winter shoes. So I'll, I'm bringing a pair of Chacos. I'm bringing a pair of ultra running shoes. And I have these Piccolino, like, really nice boots. The boots are going away. The Chacos and the sneakers are staying. You know, I got some of those uh, weird dad pants, you know, for Africa where it's the zipper off. You know, you, they're long pants, but you can zipper them okay, off. Okay, they're not shorts. dad pants. They're, I wear them all the time. Okay, I'm offended by that. That's like a main staple of my outfit. Yeah. That's efficient and utility, yeah, okay? exactly. Yeah. But we'll have that and then, you know, um, some sun shirts, you know, like the quick wicking things. And then that's really it. Oh, you, you got to dress comfortable. And the great thing is, is that you can just rewear the same thing. No one's going to see you. Exactly. So. You end up getting a wash bag, you know, those little portable mm. wash bags. Perfect. So you got laundry. that. Yeah. I love sink laundry. Yeah. We each have our own clothes line. And then um, it was really cool. We were gifted those uh, water to go bottles. So it's like a built-in filtration system that basically takes care of bacteria, yeasts, metals, so you don't have to buy bottled water everywhere yeah. you go. And we end up getting three additional filters with each one. So Perfect. that should cover the whole year. And then, you know, being with the VA, they have treated me immensely well. They're like, we've never heard anybody doing this. So let's go ahead and take care of you. So, like, they've already given me, you know, six months worth of malaria pills that I have to travel with. Nice. Just basically all the stuff. They're like, just here's, here's all of it. Is it Malaron? Malaron? No, it's the one that starts with the A. I don't know. Which one makes you crazy? Hopefully it's not the one I got. <laughs> Some of the malaria medicine I know. makes you nightmares. Wild, dude. Vivid dreams. Yeah. Like crazy vivid dreams. Ava Avaquentone or something like that. But then they're like, this is gonna tear your stomach up. So they ended up giving me like eight hundred probiotics. They're like, start taking these weeks before you start taking your malaria pills and then continue to take them during your malaria treatment and then after. So that way you can kind of keep your gut flora you know, up and healthy. Pills are that strong? The malaria ones? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are military grade. Are you, you allowed know? to drink on them and everything? Fuck, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I remember taking some malaria pills, man, and you, like, the, the dreams are just wild. Yeah. Like, really, really vivid and crazy and kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I love that. I love that stuff. So it's like, you know, we're going to, like, really kind of focus on the areas that they strongly suggest taking malaria. You and got I, your vaccines, your low, yellow we fever. We got everything. I think we both went through a series of like 16 or 18 shots. Wow. Yeah, I mean, literally everything. So, so you're ready. We're ready. I mean, there hasn't, I mean, we've hoped to not have not, you know, overturned any stone. Like we have literally been going around and kicking things and scratching and sniffing, hoping that everything is done the right way. Obviously, it's not always going to like fall into place the way that it's supposed to, but we've done everything that we can and, and our best power to make it s as seamless as possible. 
I like the idea of a small bag. I once did a uh, article. Buddy and I did a train trip through Eastern Europe, and we did ten countries in ten days. We took overnight trains every night and just appeared in a new city in the morning, explored it. That night got on the train, slept on the train, woke up the next day. And we did it with just like 20 liter backpacks. Yeah. And I remember it being one of the most frustrating times because it was great that I was so mobile, but trying to stuff all your shit <laughs> that you inevitably accumulate. And when clothes get dirty, as you know, they get bigger. It's not as easy. Like you fold it all perfectly right when you leave. But then as your trip develops, things yeah. get wet, dirty, da, da, da. It just gets all bulky. And I just never, I remember being so frustrated trying to stuff things into this pack, like just get that zipper shut. And then I think one time my zipper broke and packing cubes. So I, I have a little anxiety of like remembering that with you <laughs> telling me you're doing a small pack. But if you bring the big one to your point, then you fill it and you're like lugging it around to the train station and everywhere you go, you just, cause you're going to be moving a lot. Yeah. I think you're smart to do it, but yeah, how are you going to handle souvenirs? Are you going to feel like you just got to not, not buy stuff? Mail it. I think we're going to have like points. You know, I think if I find wines that I really want, I'm going to see if that winery mails it from there and yeah. just pay the price. You send and it to my house. I'll hold it for yeah. you. Yeah, I'm no, sure you fine, will. That's fine, dude. I'll, just, I'll take care of it. I'll sell her it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but packing cubes. And then Thule, you know, they make these double compartment packing cubes now where it's like, you can expand them and you can put all your stuff in one side and on the other side it's empty. So if you have dirty clothes, you can put it on the other side. And I was like, ah, oh, it's a good idea. And what I've noticed now is that I'm just filling both sides right now. And so I ended up buying some cheap waterproof bags. And I think that would just be one of my laundry bags as we carry. But most places that we're staying have laundry abilities. It's like, oh, just this, do laundry once a week. Yeah, yeah like just, this hostel yeah. or this Airbnb or this hotel, they have laundry and on site. And so it's like, let's go, let's go spend a couple days or a couple hours, like uh, just chilling out. That'll slow you down, too. Exactly. Yeah, doing laundry. Let's go sit by the pool and read. Let's go turn the laundry over. We don't need to be going 100 miles an hour all the time. And you know what's hard for people to believe here in America, but. There's stores in India, too. Yeah. The people there, they can buy shoes, too, exactly. if they need it. Yeah. So you don't need to bring everything. Yeah. So it's like, that's what, you know, I'm bringing those pants, a couple of sun shirts, some, some other shorts just to kind of have. And like I said, I think half of my weight is going to be sent back once we get into Portugal or Spain. I'm surprised you're not bringing, like, I have a, The Sun Also Rises by Hemingway. Mm -hmm. If I was going on this big trip, I would definitely bring that book. Like, I have a, Audible, a couple baby. books, I think, in mine. So you're going to do that. That's a good idea. You're going to listen. Listen. Okay. And so you don't I've look as sexy when you listen as when you read. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, well, I also get There's no sick. Instagram, like, <laughs> hot guys listening to books, okay? The hot guys reading is the Instagram, okay? I get car sick. <laughs> so I think if I'm, like, going down these back roads in Africa trying to read this book, it's oh, yeah. going to, like, last for 10 minutes, and I'm, like, done. Good point. You so, would have no chance. Yeah. So you'll basically be off the grid in Africa for two months. Like, mm -hmm. you're not going to have... Are you going to try and get cell service? Like, how are you going to work your cell phone? Well, I think in certain places they're going to have cell service. But, you know, another tip that I found, I was with AT&T forever. And then I started looking like, oh, should I get eSIMs or SIM cards with every place I go? Like, should I get my phone unlocked and then buy SIM cards in each place that I go to? And I was like, this is crazy. I mean, because it seems like if you don't fly into a place, it's really kind of hard to find SIM cards. Like you start exploring the town or the city for these damn SIM cards to get data. You're like an addict looking for crack. Yeah. 
And so I was reading like Reddit. I love Reddit because there's so much good advice. Yeah. You know. I agree. And yeah, then bad advice too, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and this one guy was like, my life changed when I like subscribed to T-Mobile. And I was like, what? So I went into T-Mobile one day and they have an unlimited international data plan. I spend $75 a month and I have unlimited data and texting overseas in 217 countries. Oh, that's really good. The only thing that is costs you is if you make a voice call, it's 25 cents a minute. And I was like, hello, WhatsApp. Yeah, So exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's it's, a super good deal. Because Verizon, I think, is 10 bucks a day if you ten, just do the... Yeah, so I asked AT&T about that. It's $10 a day, but you can only use it up to, like, say, 90 days. After 90 days, they realize that you're out of the country, and they suspend your service. Like, oh. you can't have unlimited $10 a day, you know, international service. It's like for three months, and then you're done. So I'm like, what's the point of that? I'm going to be on the road for a year and a half. And then the really cool thing about T-Mobile is like, oh, you're a veteran. And I was like, yeah. They're like, let's take a bit more money off of that. Oh, heck yeah. So they're like, yeah, it's it's good. Unlimited time. But it's up to 5G, right? As Well, it's, it's five gigs of unlimited. And after that, it goes down to like 256 KMBS or whatever, which is still perfect for texting and maps and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and when you're at your accommodation, you use the Wi-Fi. Exactly. And honestly, you shouldn't use your phone that much anyway. Right. You don't want to be in your Africa Overland vehicle scrolling no. ESPN. Oh, I'm turning yeah. my phone off. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about travel also is like I literally, you know, it's the phones have become such a, a, a great thing. Like they're so convenient now. But like when I first started traveling, like literally, it was guidebooks and maps. And asking people for yeah, recommendations. Exactly. In fights. Fights with your significant other because it's like, no, it's this street. No, I swear <laughs> to God, it's this street. <laughs> How do you even pronounce that? It's pronounced like this. No, it's pronounced like that. So, Yeah, I, I agree. I don't want to get on a soapbox now. I'm too tired. But I feel – I talk about this a lot with other travel writers. Phones have just totally taken – like. people always ask, like, oh, like when you travel, like how do you meet people and how do you like find the good stuff? And – just doing some fact finding, talking to them, they can't find it because they look for everything on the phone. Yeah. They map out the directions on their phone. They look just like for the top 10 list and yeah. that's where they go. And that's not how you get involved locally. You get involved locally by talking to the people at the front desk and, and not asking like, Oh, where do the tourists go? It's like, where do you go with your friends? Yeah. And then walking the street and getting lost and walking into some random store and being like, yeah, I was going to go for a beer at this place someone told me about, but is there anywhere else around here that you recommend? And then they're like, oh, yeah, like that place you were going is pretty good. But actually, if you go one block further and now all of a sudden you're in this, you know, series of recommendations yeah. and people take pity on you versus your phone. You don't need to talk to anybody. Yeah. My advice in traveling is just turn your damn phone off. Like, I agree. That's how you travel. <laughs> Turn it you know, off. Yeah. Leave it leave it back at the hotel room or just put it in your bag. Forget that you have it. Or just do just, Wi-Fi only. Yeah. Once you leave the hotel, you can try and memorize your directions. And then if you can't figure it out, just walk in and don't be afraid to get lost. Don't be afraid to. Yeah. Because usually when you get lost, it's like you're probably like two blocks from your place. That's how it always happens. You're like, holy shit, where am I? And then somebody's like, just take that left <laughs> yeah. and that right. And you're there. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And you have the benefit. Most people, I get the anxiety of being on a week or two long trip and you want to see the best stuff. Cause it's like, I have limited time. So yeah, like great. Will you travel all the time so you can afford to get that recommendation and then end up at a shithole and be like, wow, that was horrible. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to 
be there for a while. You're going to go on the next trip. For me, like I got one week of vacation. Like I don't want that risk. I want to just go somewhere good. So I get that. For you, you got all the time in the world, man. You can visit shithole after shithole. (laughs) Like you can just follow recommendations and that's going to be cool because, yeah, you'll probably have a few nights where you're like, yeah, that was kind of a bust. But you're also going to have those nights where it's like, wow, like I would have never even imagined this is where I would have ended up. And that was the mindset we actually were talking about having to get into is like when you travel, you have a limited time and you got to fit it all in. And so once again, like you're making your lists and you're checking them twice, right? And like we got to get to this place between this time and this time. We got to do this on this day. And now it's just like if I don't see it, I don't see it because I'm going to see so many other things. You know, in each city, there are things that I want to see and do. You know, like Lisbon, I love Fado and I love good seafood. Fado is awesome. Right? Yeah. So I want to like make sure we get to a place. Sloan loves Fado. We want to make sure that she sees it. You know, that'll be easy. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then same with flamenco. You know, she loves Spanish guitar. And I've, I've seen some of the most, you know, memorable moments in my life of being like hypnotized or seeing like these true, authentic flamenco shows you know, where there's like 15, 20 people in an audience. It's not like this big touristy thing. And you just kind of happen upon those situations. It's not like this organized tour one. Like the first time I ever went to a flamenco show, I was in Sevilla and I walked in and, you know, it just seemed kind of like done, done up. And I looked over and there were these people like reading a Rick Steves book and they could hear like my partner and I at the time like talking and they're like, oh, hi. And I was just like, let's move. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I'm here to, like, not see. Are you going to avoid all Americans? No. I mean, obviously, you can't. And it's cool because the cool thing is, like, we speak really easily to one another. And they might know something or someplace that they discovered that, you know, they can't share with anybody else because they don't know the language. But they're like, holy shit, we were at this place, and we experienced this, and you guys got to ask for this person. Do you speak any foreign languages? You know, when I'm in France, my French comes out. When I'm in Spain, my Spanish comes out. Oh. My Portuguese is very little, and then that's about it. She's got German covered. She speaks German. Yeah, and then it's funny because I can, you know, I can put my kind of Spanish together to f- kind of figure out Italian, but just always add like an A at the end. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'll do it. They wouldn't. Yeah. They won't even notice. <laughs> well, I think as long as you try, that's the cool thing about travel, right? Um, Unless you're in France, then they hate you. No, it's not true. Parisians are different than French. True. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you spending time in Paris? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'll land in Paris. I'll spend two nights there. Then I'll just shoot down to Bordeaux for five nights. Then I'll go into the Loire Valley for five nights. I'll go to Reims. Then I'll come back to Paris for a night. Then I'll go into the Jura. And then I'll come back uh, for two nights before she arrives. And then we'll spend five nights in Paris because she's never been. And then we'll go down to Dijon into Bonn, into Lyon, and then we're done with France. How long did it take you to memorize all that? Dude, I know like the back. (laughs) (laughs) I know every minute. How many times during your trip when people (laughs) would be like, oh, so where have you guys been traveling? You're just going to have to recite everywhere you guys went to. I hope I get to the point where I don't remember. Yeah. Because now all the things that we've seen since that initial, you know, I'm like, I don't remember now. Like we have seen so much. Once again, the thousand yard stare. It's like I just... So you have everything planned until November 2024, but when do you actually come back? April 2025? 
Uh, we're thinking like June, July. June, July, 2025. Yeah. Okay. So the thought was was to come back after finishing up that part of the world and spend like a month here to decompress and see family and catch up. And we're like, you know what? We're not going to leave. We'll see the dog. We'll see the family. We'll see the vines. We'll just be back in like our comfort no, zone. No, you can't come back then leave again. No, no exactly. No so way. we're like, let's just push through. Let's land in California wherever we end up and then take the first flight from wherever in California into Mexico city and just continue through. What do you think the chances are that you never come back? Oh, slim to none because we just invested heavily into a vineyard. Okay. So, <laughs> so you are coming back. <laughs> so when you do come back, what would you like to see different about Palisade? No, I mean, I don't, there's nothing wrong with Palisade. It's just me. It's, I'm, I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just no, like, no. If pal- we're going to go on without you, Joe. Sorry to let you know. We're going to keep evolving here. You know, I'm excited yeah. to see uh, what you create over in the corner now. I'm excited to see what Dave Ferenza and those guys turn the old Debet Cannon into. I'm excited to, what else? Like, hopefully another restaurant or two opens up, you know? That's yeah. not out of my price range because it seems like everything here. You just can't go out and it's have tough. drinks and dinner for under a hundred dollars. Yeah, it's tough. You know, unless you go to three five seven. So yeah. it's I I think we need more of that. You know, that's that's my biggest affordable. That's my biggest qualm. Yeah. Like down yeah, quality good food. That's not going to break the bank every time I go to it. Yeah. I mean, we're a tourist town, but at the same time, we have a lot of locals that live here. So we sure you do. Know, you know, we're not all like made of money. Well, so. sounds like you are. You're going on the world tour. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just can't wait to see when you come back. You know, <clears throat> we got some good news recently. Palisade's getting a newspaper. Yeah. The Palisade Post. Super cool. Started by this guy named Garn. And share more information later when I have that. But what I think would be cool for you when you're traveling is to submit an editorial or an article to the paper every couple of months while you're gone so we can see what you're up to. That'd be cool. Also, if people want to follow along on Instagram, you know, for everything wine related, it'll be periphery sellers, periphery dot sellers on Instagram. And then for my own personal page, I think it's JPF3. Let me see. Let me look yeah, at it. Yeah, you might want to know your own Instagram. <laughs> I can post it along with the uh, episode as yeah, well. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. But yeah, I so you are going to post photos. Like, you're not just going to drop off the map for a year and a half. I No. I mean. If I text you, will you answer me? Of course. Within how many days? <laughs> Well, it depends on where I'm at in the world. <laughs> but yeah, personal page on Instagram is JPF3. And then everything wine related is periphery.sellers. Um, you know, I made an announcement on the periphery Instagram thing about traveling. And then, you know, it's just, it should be really interesting to kind of see how things progress. And you guys will know if I'm still alive, if my Instagram page is still running. Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> think we're going to be interested to see. Obviously, your experiences, and we'll learn a lot from you and following you. But I just love to see how travel changes people. And people get changed by a week or a two-week trip. They get infected by it. You're going to process so much over these next 18 months. And I just can't wait to see the condition you are when you come back. You know, I can't wait to come back and share it, but it's probably going to be like a month once we get back that we just go completely silent. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to come back. People are going to be like, so how was your trip? We're going to be like, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where do you even start? I'm just going to turn my phone off for that first month when I come back. And it's just like, you know, we'll catch up when it's time to catch up. You have to have a return party. 
I'll do that for sure. Because going away partying, yeah, but like coming back party would be good. Just have like a blowout at your new house. Yeah. Yeah, on the land where all the grapes are growing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and like once again, I, I'm going to miss everybody and I want to say bye to everybody, but at the same time, it's just, you know. Well, now's your chance, you know. Let's wrap it up. You can say <laughs> goodbye, say anything you want to say. I just hope everybody takes care of themselves and each other and, uh, you know, you create your own adventure and make it the best one yet. Wheels up, bitches. Love it. <laughs> well, I look forward to all the souvenirs you're going to send me Hell along yeah. the way. And I wish you a good trip, man. I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm really – I'm so many things. I'm proud of you. I'm jealous. I'm excited for you. Can't wait to hear about your adventures and see what happens. I appreciate I mean, it's it. It's literally the trip of a lifetime. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it really and I'm is. just hoping you come back because – I think over 18 months, a lot can happen out there. And maybe you're going to just settle down in the south of France and forget about us. You know, the thing that we talked about the most is come back, work seven, eight months here during peak season, and then take off for four months a year and just go travel, whether it be in our little via that we brought and, you know, the south of Italy. Just or end up buying property somewhere. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Well, that's the wine cycle, right? You could harvest and do all your stuff for seven, eight months, then take off for a couple of months. Exactly, because the idea with you know the project that we're going to start is essentially be open. You know, most of it's going to be kind of like alfresco, like outdoor kind of stuff. It's, we really want to focus on the beautiful kind of environment of Palisade, and just everything and everyone shuts down when it comes to winter. And obviously, we're missing a lot of uh, things here in the winter, but at the same time. People want it, but they don't put the effort into like making it, into maintaining it. So it's like, screw it. We're going to take off and we're going to go travel for four months every year. And then every time we come back, we're going to come back that much better. So we want to recreate every time we leave and come back. It's like, for so this year we had these amazing things, this incredible experience. Wait till you see what we do next year. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Well, bon voyage, buddy. Thanks, man. See you on the other side. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the pod again. I, I love it. Wish you a safe trip, man. Thanks. See you when you come back. Okay. I'm riding the terrain, flying high up once again. Got my crew sitting healthy and my boo living wealthy. Level 99, never settle in my mind. So I pedal and I climb up the pedestal and find almighty weapons. So I calm lightly step into the castle, satchel, tackled, wrestled. Down the corridor where I'm grounded through the floor. Roundhouse into my core, down, out, and through the door. Sword down at my side, I gotta round up and ride. Face boss, break jaws till I take off. Face off, stop and swing my serious strike this is it take the title disappear in the night to the whole wide world got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm hit the whole wide world slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle then i walk out and travel to the whole wide world got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm hit the whole wide world slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle then i walk out and travel to the Whole wide